So pastor asked me to, to share some, some words today from the Bible, and some of you might be asking why he did that. Well, you'll take that up with him, so I have no idea either. So. <laughs> so let's pray. God, just thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, just fill this room. Give me the words to say, Lord. Pour out into this room, God, what you have to say to us today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I would like to talk about walking by faith. Um, there's things I love about this subject and things I don't really like, but they're in the Bible, so I'm going to speak them. Um, first of all, God says he's never going to let us down. Uh, we sang it in the song today, he's never going to let me down over and over again. And Man, I love that. I love that part. God's never going to let me down. He says that in his word many times, and he shows in the Bible that he's faithful. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Ancients, um, what they're referring to in that point is the people of the Old Testament that we read about today. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made, but but out of what was visible. It was not made out of what was visible. So it was made out of things that we can't see. So that's, that's what Hebrews says here that faith is. Um, so in the same chapter, verses 8 through 19, we're going to talk about Abraham here. We're going to talk about God being always faithful. But how many people in our li- here have things that God did, that God spoke ahead of time and then he did, and that he was faithful? And you could say, yes, God was faithful. Can you raise your hands? Lots of people, yes, Definitely. How many people have here the things God spoke of that haven't happened yet? That you know, or maybe you've read in his Bible things, and they, they haven't happened yet. Or and they don't seem like they can happen or are going to happen, but you know God is faithful. Um, we're not always going to see the things that God says are faithful. There's some things that, um, one example is here in chapter 13, verse 11, chapter 13. I'm just going to read this, this scripture, and then we'll go back through it. Um, I'm actually going to start with chapter, uh, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of them of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city of foundations, who architects and builder is God. So, in, that, in those days, when you were raised, you were born into a family, your inheritance came from your parents, and whatever land they had, you had. Whatever, um, uh, whatever they did for a job, you had that same job. Your inheritance, everything that they owned, you owned. And that's how you stayed, and then you grew your wealth, and then your sons got that, and it grew and grew and grew. So to, when you, if you moved out away from that, away from your family, your inheritance didn't follow you. You, just, you would just leave, and you would be out in the middle of nowhere. And his, he went to a stranger—he was a stranger in a foreign country and lived in a tent he got, because God said to. So he left all that he had. So God was going to give him an inheritance. He must have believed that God was going to give him an inheritance as well. Um, verse 11, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, and able to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. So he considered God faithful. And so from this one man, as he was good as dead, 
came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. All of these people were still living by faith, meaning Abraham and his two descendants, his wife. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So here was where God made promises, and they did not come. So I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 12. This is the call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and your will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who I will curse. And all the people on earth will be a blessing through you. And this was a promise made to Abraham, and it says right here, he, God promised, but he didn't see the promise. When we're sticking with God, we need to be in it no matter what. God is faithful. You can see in this Bible, you read back there, oh yeah, everybody calls uh, Abraham the father of nations. They, they see, you see the blessing, you see the fulfillment, but he did not get to see those things. But he still believed in him and followed him, and God blessed his whole heritage. We are, in a way, adopted children of Abraham because of what God's promise through him was. Um, th- these are the things that I don't like reading. <laughs> so wait a minute, God made him a promise, but but he didn't get to fill it in, in the time that he saw. What about Elisha? He asked for a double portion. And, and Elijah said, if you are here, we see me go, you will receive this double portion. And he did, and he received the mantle. But he didn't actually get the fulfillment of the double portion until after he was dead. Uh, Pastor read a couple weeks ago about how they threw the body in the tomb, and that was the final um, miracle to fulfill the double portion. But he was dead. He was bones. He was been dead a long time. And so we see that God does fulfill his promises, but not always in the way we think they're going to happen. Um, but we always have to, but we have faith. Um, he does fulfill what he says. And sometimes it's hard, we're going through things, and we lose hope. And we, we, we sit there and we say, well, well, gosh, this just can't happen now, or it's been too long, or I don't understand, or something that he has given us has, is not looking like it's going to happen. Um, we can't hold on to to the things he has even given us. We can't hold on and say, well, God's given this to me now. He's promises. We all had, a lot of people raised their hands in here and said we had promises that God has given to us. Well, sometimes we hold on to those so tight that we can't let God do what he wants with those. Um, in, in chapter 17, here in Hebrews, it says here, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. God said he was going to make him a father of many nations. Now, he'd given him the promise when he was in old age, and now God says to sacrifice this promise. But Abraham was tested by faith, and he was going to sacrifice his son, even though that was the absolute way that he could have his promise. He thought it was the only way he thought he could have it, but he's like, well, God will raise him. And, and God stopped him from doing that, but he wanted to show that I am in control. Are you willing to sacrifice everything to me and give them whatever you have to me? And when we surrender, we need to surrender all of our thoughts, all of our things that we have, even the things that God has given us as promises. They're his promises. He will make them happen. And, and we have all these things in the Bible that show us that God will make them happen. They, a lot of times, don't happen the way we think they're going to happen or the way we wish they were going to happen. But God is definitely very, very faithful. So I just want to talk about um, just, just the, the way we live in faith. We need to be faithful and surrendered all the time. God go, talks about all these people 
Um, and Abraham is, is one of the ones we know of, of great and, and all the amazing things he did. And many, many nations consider them his father, even that are not godly um, because of all the things that he had. But we read through the Bible, he was faithful. He did fulfill it. So at the end of your dreams, at the end of, the, of you, we've got to just know that God is faithful and stick with it and, and believe in that. So I'd like to speak through here in, um, and also in Genesis 13, speaking of Abraham. There's many, many times uh, that Abraham had the opportunity to not, to stick to and not follow what God had. Um, he didn't try, God said he was going to multiply him and, and grow him. And Abraham didn't try to do it himself. He, he separated himself to a different country. Um, Lot, his nephew, was with him. And they were getting too big because God was prospering him. And so Abraham, being the older and, and being the, the uncle, could have said, I'm going to go here, you go there. But he didn't do that. He stood, stood back and said, gave Lot the choice. Well, Lot took the land that was greener and looked better. And Abraham stood out in the desert and, and did with what he had. It was a much harder life than the one that Abraham uh, had. That is in Genesis 13. And I'm going to read, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they had stayed together, for their possession was great. They were not able to stay together. A quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. Chapter 8. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. It is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain in the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan. Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents toward Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted for him, Lift up your eyes from where you are at. Look to the north and the south, the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count on the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the trees of Mermi at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. This was a sacrifice. This was a lot harder life than, than that was out there. You could see this was all green. This was not. And God said, I'm going to give you this and, and multiply you in this land. Sometimes God multiplies us in the tough things, in the hard times, in the lands like, well, I can, looks like I can multiply over here, but God's saying, no, I want you to multiply over here. And God provided for him, and he did. And he actually had to go rescue his son, his nephew Lot, because he went to the other land. Sometimes when God asks us to sacrifice and live a tougher life, we don't see that there's going to be benefits. We don't see that there's going to be the things in life that we want or that God even promised us. Well, God, I can see your promises happening this way. It doesn't make sense to go the other way. And, and it didn't in this situation either, but we can read through the Bible that, that it was that way. God fulfilled his promises uh, in the ways that did not look like it was easier. It did not look like it would be followed in that way. So when we're we're being faithful and we're walking in this, we need to make sure that we keep pure and, and clean. Sometimes when we're walking and we're going through life, 
things pop up and things that are from our old life aren't really do aren't what we should be doing. And so it's but it's tough. It's great we come and we read this, but then we go through our daily lives and things come up in our lives that try to go just go back. Um, in Hebrews here in fourteen, it says. I'm going to read from 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So when we're walking through, when it's talking about here a city to return to, they're talking about the old sins of our lives. When we turn ourselves to God, if we are looking for a way to return, we will. And that can mean many different things. It could mean drinking, if, if that's had a hold on your life and you've walked away from that, God's helped you. A lot of times all your friends will be like, hey, just come out for this one time, or hey, let's get married, you know, we're going to go to the bachelor party, and, and you know, it's just this one night. Or, the, or some drugs, or it could be that you lived a different life um, before you were married, and and now it's like, well, well, you know, just this this one time, you know, like adultery is not that big of a deal. You have an opportunity for that um, in many different times, and if, you, if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. When I was younger, um, I was looking for trouble, and guess what? I found it, <laughs> and it wasn't that far away, and, and I got in a lot deeper than I thought I would ever get into, and definitely didn't want a part of that, but we need to not look for those opportunities. And when those opportunities come up, we need to turn them to the side. No, I'm going to keep focused on this. I am an alien in this land. I'm going to keep focused on this. Because then God, it says here, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The city that I am working for, the things I'm doing, I'm looking for ahead. My dad uh, talked earlier about tithing and things like that. And then people say, well, you can't take your money with you. And, and that's true, you can't. But you can send it ahead. <laughs> you can't take it with you. It will not happen. But sending it ahead does work. And, and, it's like living here. I know people that live here, and they have a house in Arizona, and they're paying on that house, and they're, they saved up money and put a pool in that house, and they, have, they put in an RV pad, and they're working here, and they're like, well, yeah, in five years. They have a time frame. In five years, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go move to Arizona because they have some dream that's going to be a lot better there. And, and that's fine, and that's great. We are doing the same thing. But, so they're, they're not, you know, they didn't put the pool in here. They didn't put the pad in for their RV here. They didn't re-roof their house here. They did it all there. And, and what we can do is we can put this stuff forward. We're going to another city. Um, and that's just an ex- uh, example. But we also want to bring other people with us. And when we pour into other people, when we pour into these things, having stuff for us is good too, but it's much better to pour into other people. So we want to stay on this race. We want to stay on this faith walk. Um, during the times, lengthy times, maybe we're waiting on promises. Maybe it's a, a child or a brother or sister or a parent we want to bring to the Lord. Maybe it's a ministry God's called us into. Maybe it's a career path that God has spoken to us. And how are we walking by faith? How are we, how are we doing this? Well, we need to stay um, on the path. I'm going to read here Hebrews 12, uh, 1 through 12. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin, hinders excuse me, hinders the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we need to throw off everything that entangles us. So sometimes those are good things. Um, Sometimes we can play too much. (laughs) 
Um, a lot of times, especially in the church, you know, if, if God comes up to us with a, a outright sin, we don't desire that. It's not an entanglement for us. Um, if I came up to, to John here with some cocaine, he's like, hey, this is the best cocaine in the world. You know, it's, it's the best in the world. Here, here, let's, let's have some. He's going to be like, dude, get out of here. Get out of my, get out of my face, you know? Because he's not, that's nothing to him. Um, but and a lot of the people that have been in, in, you know, renewed and things like that, those things don't, aren't attractive to us. But sometimes we can have actual good things that God wants us to have, and we get too far into that. Um, people make things that are their whole life that are not, you know, forwarding God, what God wants for us. And it could be lots of good things, even that you can do. Um, just in, they're not balanced in your life. They could be, um, I know people that like to ride bikes, and they are totally into bike riding, and that's all they do. That's all they think about, and it's like, that's a good thing. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that, but then that's your whole entire life, and we're supposed to be a Christian. That's not, that's not a balanced thing. We need, to, we need to think about balance in everything that we do. Um, and any kind of hind, hindrance of sin, it's like a chain weighting us down. Um, when, we're, when, we're, when we're held down, we're held down by things, by sin, it's just, it just keeps us back as well. I'll keep reading here. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's, that's coming to church. That's looking in the Bible. That's um, during the week when you're at work, when you're with your friends. That's always fixing our eyes on Jesus. So it's, we're perfected by our faith. Um, we do not need to be distracted by anything. There's so many distractions in the world. Um, we live in America. We live in an amazing spot. We have amazing blessings. And even the people that might not think we have those blessings, most of us can go home to somewhere we call home, not worry about safety, turn on the water faucet, and drink good water. Most of us can do that. Probably everybody in this room can do that. You know, more than half the world can't do that. So the things that, that we want in this world, most, the other half the world or more, would actually throw all those things we want away just for the things we actually have. And so we need to f- just focus in on, on what God is giving us, and, and in walking and, and focus in on him. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For who the joy set before him endures the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus suffered more than anybody else here. <laughs> Absolutely, I can say that. You can read the Bible, we're all alive. <laughs> and he suffered more than all of us. So when you, when you don't get a promotion at work because they know you're a Christian, or when people don't want you in their circle because they know you're, you're not going to go along with what they say, or, or you bring things up that brings conviction in their life. Um, uh, I can give you an example of that. It works. Some of the guys will say something about a woman walking by, and some of you have heard this, and I say, wow, I don't, I don't think your wife would like that. <laughs> Really? Would she, would she want to join in on that? And they all of a sudden they're like, whoa, you're a, you're a buzzkill, or they say things like that. Um, but I'm just like, or they'll say something like, yeah, well, I, that wouldn't work for me because my, my wife would kill me, you know? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, and they, they're all married as well, you know, or most of them are, and so they're like, well, wow, that just, just ruined it for them. And, and I just don't go along with those things because there, there's a difference, and most of them there know I go to church, and they know I'm a Christian, so if I go along with those things, then what's the difference? Then I, I shouldn't even tell them I'm a Christian, in my opinion. We don't want to grow weary. We don't want to lose heart. And we can do that. 
um, unless if we don't have a perspective change. When we see who God is and what he's done for us and put him in the perspective we're at, then it's a lot better for us. We're going to fill ourselves up with what he has done for us and what he does for us every day, and we're not going to grow weary and we're not going to lose heart. Uh, verse 4 here. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have not forgotten... I'm sorry. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. That's not a nice word to read in church. <laughs> I don't like reading those words. Like, wait a minute, he's going to punish me? When God is chastening you, when I'm in a situation and I realize that I am not doing what's right, what I say to God is, God, I want to learn my lesson soon. Because if we don't learn our lesson, we keep on going over and over and over again in the same thing. And, and we keep on dealing with it over and over again. It's like, God, I want to move on. God, I'm walking by faith. Why, how come this stuff isn't happening? And part of that can be is if you're in sin or if you're living in sin or if when he comes up for the test, we fail the same test over and over and over again. So when God is punishing me, I, Lord, thank you because he's doing it for a good reason, right? People that have parents in here, we, you punish your kids. If you don't love your kids, you don't punish them because you just don't care. You can just go off. It's a whole lot easier not to deal with it. Um, it's much, much easier not to deal with it. It's much easier just to let it go. Or who cares? Well, you're ruining your own life. You're older now. Um, but when you care about them, it takes a lot more time, a lot more sacrifice to punish them. It takes a lot more time to teach somebody than it does to do it yourself, almost all the time. And sometimes with younger children, you have to teach them over and over and over and over again. But when you're doing that, you're teaching them, you're helping them because you care about them. My parents did that with me. So when I'm older, there's things I know how to do that I didn't want to do. Um, I never wanted to, to clean or do things. But you know what? When you're older and you have your own house, there's nobody else there to do it for you. And so when, when God is doing this, he's teaching us because when we go out in the field and, and we're actually being uh, for him, we're in a battlefield. And so when we're in battle, we can go back on the things he's already taught us. He's already chastened us. I don't want to go back to the way I was living before. I don't want to do the things when he's chasing me back to him. And when he was dealing with me on those things, I don't want to turn around and go back there. Uh, verse 7 here, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what, a son is not disciplined, what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father, our spirit, spirit and live? And we see that in, in, in everybody, in people around us, and ourselves. The people that had fathers that didn't discipline them had the most disrespectful kids. Now, obviously, there's a, a point where people also went over in discipline and did things they should not have done. But I'm talking about the, the fathers that at least tried with love to discipline effectively. You had respect for them. You loved them. When they got older, you had great relationships with most of them that had love. And so when, when the father's actually doing this, the fathers that didn't discipline their children, every one of them I know, they don't respect their fathers. They don't have a relationship with them. If it is, it's a terrible one. And, and it just proves, obviously, everything that's here in the Bible, what they're talking about. No discipline. I'm sorry, I'm going to start here at 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. 
No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So I believe that in some way, everyone in here um, is in a form of discipline from God, meaning he's training us and directing us, and it's not good. When you go through basic training in the military, they call that training. But really, (laughs) from the people I've talked to that have gone through it, it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of, of hard things to do, of pushing on, of forcing yourself it's painful, it's hard, they do things that you, you wouldn't ever know you could do it, and they call it training. They don't call it discipline. Um, if, you, if you do things that are wrong, you're forced to clean. Even if you don't, a lot of times you're forced to do push-ups and, and things because somebody else in your group did. And they don't call it discipline, they call it training. Um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Um, people, if you are not going a direction away from God, and you start encountering things that are not good, and things start messing up your life, and they don't even seem related, there's a good chance God's disciplining you in that area. Um, If you're not being faithful at work, it's just a little thing. Maybe you're not even just being a good witness for God. You're not standing up against the things that are not of God, but you're not getting the promotion, or you're feeling like you're not fulfilling yourself in that job, but you're like, well, God put me here. Maybe you need, maybe God's disciplining you in that area. Um, If you're not using what you have for God, the good purpose of God, it could be even with driving and work and with cars and stuff, and your, your car's breaking down, or, or it seems like, man, everybody cuts you off and all those things. Are you using that for God? Are you letting other people, you know, are you doing the things that God wants you to do with that vehicle? Um, everything we have, we should be focusing on God and, and showing him that we're doing good with what he gave us and that we're, we're doing this for God, everything that we have, including our work, our home life, our marriage, our church, um, and every other thing that God gives us. Uh, Verse 12 here. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level the path with your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So, when we're walking by faith, we need to be strengthened by God. We need to be filled up by God. We need to get into our Bibles, because we're not going to make it if we don't. We're in a battle, and if you're in a battle and you're running all night long, and all day long, and you don't have food, you don't take any rest— when you do come up against an enemy that you should be able to easily overpower, you're not going to be able to. God talks about resting in him. He talks about gathering your strength in him and filling up in him. So we need to read from the Bible every day. We need to get into a, a spirit of worship every single day. And that can be in your car. That can be in your home. Um, worship music. We have phones that make it so easy to get this stuff um, at all different times. Uh, most of it is free. And so, but we need to be strengthened for our battle. We need to walk in faith. And when we don't see things that happen, and we have promises of things that are happening, that are going to happen in our lifetime, we have to figure that God is faithful. God is going to be faithful. God is going to do it. And when I'm not feeling like, I'm wondering how it's going to happen when I'm feeling weak, I know it's because I haven't filled up in the Word. I have not filled up in in worship. Um, Or I have a sin that I need to deal with, or something coming at me trying to get me to sin that that I've entertained in my head that I need to deal with because those are the things that are going to drag me down. Those are the things that are going to drain me out. And I've I've seen it like a a cup full of water, and there's a bunch of holes in it. And and God's pouring into you, but if you're leaking out faster than God's pouring into the cup, then then you're going to be empty. And when you're empty, that's when the horrible feeling is. And that's when it's just like, well, I can't do this anymore. And, And I know God's faithful, but it's just not happening in my life. And, but God does not want you to have that feeling. So we need to surrender to him. We need to fill up our cup with the Holy Spirit 
and we need to make sure that we are doing things that are right. So, so I would just like to take a time um, to pray and to reflect on what we're doing. And, and if we're feeling in despair because things haven't happened, God is going to fulfill them. And maybe, there, maybe he's made you promises that you won't see, but God fulfilled the promises in Elisha's and Abraham's lives that even after they were gone, because he was faithful, and it says that in the Bible, it says because it was counted to him as righteousness, because he believed God. So we need to believe God. And I've known people that their children came to Christ after they had passed, and they are preachers, and they are ministers, and I believe that we should believe on seeing them, but I also believe that God is going to be faithful no matter what. So some of the promises that have to happen in our lifetime will happen. But some promises w- which we wish are going to happen in our half- lifetime, I know that some of the promises God gave me are going to be fulfilled through my son, through my, both my sons, um, because th- they're way too big for me. And that's awesome, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to believe in that. Um, if Abraham wouldn't have believed, would those things have come true? Well, probably not because he wouldn't have had his son. Um, if, if he, but he was, and it was fulfilled because he was faithful. Um, and I know that God is going to fulfill all the promises, but we need to surrender to him, and we need to um, tell him, uh, Manuel, if you would mind coming playing the piano, please. Uh, I just like to take a lot of time of reflection and thinking about what's going on in our lives and the things that God promised us, and say, I'm not going to believe the lie of the devil that these things aren't going to happen because they are going to happen. And I'm not going to believe um, the, the lies that, that, that maybe I, I, they didn't make sense or things like that, but God brings clarity. And I just want us to think about um, surrendering to him and saying, God, even if it doesn't happen the way I want to happen, I know your promises are faithful and I will be faithful. Praise you, Jesus. And if you feel that God is chasing you about things, we need to give those things in. Even if it's a good thing, and God's saying, well, I want you off balance, because I want you to spend more time with me. I want you to spend more time with what I have for you in this other area. Well, God, I surrender that too. And God, I will believe and I will be faithful even when I don't understand, even when I can't see how it's going to happen. God, I will walk by faith when things don't make sense. God, if I said the promises never came and it didn't happen, but I'll still believe you're faithful, I'll still believe it will happen. 
Because if you're still alive in here today, there, God still is going to fulfill the promise, but we have to believe. Maybe you're saying, well, I, I believe, but I, I stopped praying for this a while ago. For that, that family member to be saved. For the, the dream that you gave to me. I believe God's here just to tell you, you need to believe again. Enough to pray. Enough to write it down on a list wherever you pray at so that you remember to pray every day. So that you're not forgetful. You need to stand back up and have the excitement that you had maybe 25 years ago when I gave you that dream, that promise. Or maybe the, what the promise was seemingly around to you, that, that has died or has gone away. The, the situation is no longer there to support the dream. Well, God says that that dream is back. I am here to fulfill that. And it says in the Bible that Abraham was laying it down for the foundations of a city. says, for he was looking forward to the city, which foundations, who architect and builder is God. Abraham was building the foundations. He didn't know, I don't believe he knew what the foundations he was building. But he was building the foundations for the house of God. It says it right there. The builder and the architect was God. He, he was putting the foundations down for us, for me. He is the one that put the foundations down for the bloodline for Jesus Christ to come that we were able to come into. We might not be seeing what we're doing. We might not see till we get to heaven. I believe he knows now. So when God's having us do things and God's having us build and we don't see it as the dream that we think we should be seeing it, we might be, he was looking forward to building a foundation for something he didn't know. And God can have us building on his house and we don't know that we're building it. I believe everybody that's focused here and is believing is surrendering completely to what God wants. I believe he's speaking to each and every one of you about a dream that he's had, that he has a desire he's placed in your heart, that he wants to revive again, that he wants to bring back up to the fresh, the front of your mind. I believe he has dreams for us right now and things that we're building for the future for other people to build on. No builder of a house that builds the house that everybody can see says, wow, we sure didn't need that foundation. The foundation is more important than the rest of the house. You can fix a house that needs a repair. But if a house has no foundation, it's much more difficult. We need to walk by faith and be strong. We are called to be a peculiar people. Other people will be looking at us like, why are you still believing in that? Why are you still thinking that? I've been hearing that for years. Well, I believe God's about to move on a lot of things. But we have to believe.
And I'm speaking from my heart because I have a lot of promises God has made. And God's been dealing with me on them. Some of them I've just, well, that's just not going to happen. That, that just can't happen. And so I've kind of not been doing them. And God just actually, I'll say scalding me this weekend or this week about some things that I should be doing that I actually can do now. Sometimes we just need to take the step we can take. Well, I don't have the money to do this. Well, I don't have the time to do this. But I believe God's going to give each one of us a step we can take right now. Or he will give us the money we need to start. Well, I, I, I don't have the money to start. I don't have $20,000 to start a business. God's like, yeah, but you have everything to do. The first thing, you can maybe fix a car. Maybe you can bake a cake. Or you can do, you have what you need to do the flowers for a wedding. I don't know what God's called everybody to do in here. You can buy the beginning instrument. You might not have enough for a $10,000 guitar, but you can buy a $200 one and God will, will bring you up, take the first step. Normally God asks for us to take the first step. He didn't give Abraham... God called Abraham, but he didn't know his whole blessing. He didn't know how he was going to do it. He didn't tell him how he was going to do it. He moved to the land. Then God prospered him. So I believe that God's going to show you the first step if he, if he hasn't already done that, um, and, or maybe the next step in what you're going to do, and you're going to have to step out in faith. And I believe it's going to happen this week. At least you'll have the plans to step out for what you're going to do. And God's dealt with me on that. He's like, hey, you, you, you might not be able to do this part, but you can do this. And I'm going to move in that in faith, that he's going to bring the rest in. And he's going to do that. And I'm not going to give up. Even when it seems like, I know I cannot do it. I absolutely know that. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have some people bring up, uh, come up here. I'm going to have um, Bobby and Dave and John and Marine, if you guys can come up here. Um, and just have you pray, and if you need to want some prayer about how to surrender or some guidance from God, uh, I believe that God's going to do that for you. God, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you for all the promises that you have for us, Lord. Thank you for a renewed hope. God, thank you for bringing dreams to the surface that maybe we have buried or time or circumstances buried. But God, we know that you are faithful, Lord. And God, we thank you for the dreams that you have for us. And we thank you for the foundations that we are building for future generations. God, we surrender all of our life to you, Lord. God, we renounce any sin that we're maybe in, Lord. We put that away as of today, as of right now. It doesn't matter when we sin last, whatever we're dealing with, we're struggling with. That was the last time. We're starting over right now, God, and I surrender that to you, even if I like it. And Lord, if there's good things in my life that are out of balance, or you want me to completely quit, God, we surrender that to you too because you have our whole life, not just part of it. You have everything. You have the good things too. You have my wants. You have my desires. You have my dreams. You have my hobbies. And Lord, even the things that you have given us, God, that maybe I'm holding on to too tightly, I give those to you as well because they are yours.
God, open my mind, open my eyes. Lord, as I go throughout my week, God, I will not let this die down. I will not let this diminish away. Glory, I will stay strong. I'll put daily reminders up, maybe on my mirror at home, maybe on the refrigerator. But Lord, somewhere I will see every day, God, that reminders of the promise you have so I will not lose hope, Lord. The things that you've spoken, the promises you've made for me, God, they will not be forgotten again. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe God's going to give us clarity. I believe God's going to fulfill the dreams we have and the promises. And you guys are released. And if anybody would like to come forward for prayer.